Welcome to the Intelligent Living Podcast, where we discuss all things related to life. We have the entirety of the world's encyclopedias at our fingertips. There is more knowledge available to us now than in any time in human history. So why does it seem that the majority of people are not living intelligent and wise lives? Well, my name's Elliot. I'm the producer here at Intelligent Living, and our goal is to equip and empower you with the wisdom it takes to live life more abundantly. Most of us know about Rocky, a little bit more on the mic, Tim. Most of us know about Rocky. Rocky IV, they were filming back in 1985. And so Sylvester Stallone, who I like him, I've always admired him. Um, and supposedly years back, he got really got saved. I don't know. But anyway, but I was reading this article, and I thought it was so funny. And like a preacher, anytime you read anything, you always think illustration or life. That's just how preachers think. And listen to the story. When he's filming it, he wanted to have the perfect guy that he would fight. He wanted to fight someone that would look perfect. He wanted this perfect, what he called the perfect specimen. And so I wanted the man that would that'd be this perfect athlete. His shoulders, his calves, his forearms, his neck, everything would be perfectly formed. And he was. The, the guy's name was uh, Dolph Lundgren. I remember him. And so he, while they're filming the film, listen to this. He happened to be, number if you don't realize this, he was actually a world champion kick fighter. Most people most days he's an actor. He's a world champion kick fighter. And so they're filming it, and, and, and Sylvester says, gets this idea and says, you know what You know what I want you to do? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. He said, let's do this like kind of for real. Try to knock me out. And the guy says, no, I'm serious, man. Make it real life, but let's, do, let's go beyond. Let's, don't you really try to knock me out, man? And... <clears throat> He says, I remember him telling him that. He says, just do it. Cut loose on me. Hard as you can. He says, it's probably the stupidest thing I've ever said. <laughs> he said, the next thing I knew, I was in a low-altitude plane going to the emergency room, and I was in intensive care for four days. And what they discovered was he had, that he hit him so hard, he almost, his heart almost stopped. And so he talked to us. So I thought when I read this, I thought you and I have been saved for some of us for years. And some of us have prayed, God use me. Or some of us might say what I just, I called maybe the other title. You are ready or I'm ready, God. We're strong. Maybe we've got a little dominion in our life. We've been a Christian for five or 10 years. You know, I'm really, people say this sometimes, Pastor, I'm ready to do something for God. And then all of a sudden, we really think we're ready. And all of a sudden we get hit. By life almost knocks us out spiritually. It brings our spiritual heart almost to a stop. And just like the story, we, we, you know, we thought we were ready, and we are, but we, but we thought we were ready. You know, I'm ready, God, give it to you. I, you know, I'm afraid of the devil. You know, we see all kinds of silly things. All of a sudden, bam, life hits you. I thought you said you're ready, bro. You're on the ground. You ain't ready. And all of a sudden, it hits you, and you realize, you know, I'm not nearly as strong as I thought I was. I'm not nearly as bad as I thought I was, and I don't nearly have the faith that I thought I had. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Hagar, and uh, Ishmael. It's a story we're going to read. I'm not going to read prior to this, but let you know what's going on. A man by the name Abraham, his wife's name Sarah. God promised him a child. The child didn't come, so they decided to, 
his, his uh, Sarah and Abraham had a servant named Hagar. Hagar basically said, Hagar, why don't you go and have a child with Abraham? And that would be the promised child. So they arranged it. The child came. The child was born. But that was not what God said. God told, God told uh, Abram and Sarah, basically, no, the child's going to be born through you, Sarah, not through Hagar. But they were impatient. You ever been impatient? They were impatient, so Hagar comes on the scene. Now, now remember, we're picking up 14 years later, at least 14 years later. When I read the scripture, it's 14 years have passed. Now, Hagar, that boy's grown up. Now, he's a teenager. He's there, and the child, the other child is there, the promised child is there. He's about three or four years old, Isaac. Isaac, for some reason, Ishmael is tormenting Isaac. I can't imagine, I can't imagine a child tormenting another child. You know how it is in the church? Your children are always the angels, and other people's children are always the devils. Someone's, if something did wrong, it's never your kid, right? That's how parents are. Their kids, no, my kid didn't do anything. He just slapped them. No, he didn't do nothing. There's a reason why their kids are fighting. They just fight to fight. And so the fight's going on, and finally Sarah says, you know what, no more of this. I want, this, I want Hagar out of here, and I want this child, Ishmael, out of here. Get this teenager out of my house. Just get him out. Abraham, get, get him out. Well, Abraham is a father of Ishmael, too. Abraham is very close to Ishmael. It's his son. Any father is close to your son. And the Bible says Abraham's troubled by this. He said, I, he's thinking, well, I don't know what to do. And God speaks to Abraham. And so that's kind of where we're going to pick up the story. And God's going to basically allow Abraham to take this woman, Hagar, and her son Ishmael, and basically cast him out into the wilderness. But that makes a lot of application for us this morning for a few moments. Follow with me. Genesis 21, this is, this upset Abraham very much. After all, Ishmael was his son. But God told Abram, don't be upset over the boy, the slave girl wife. But do as Sarah says, for Isaac is the son through whom the promise will be fulfilled. And I will make a nation of his descendants to the slave girl's son too, because he also is yours. So Abram got up early the next morning, prepared food for the journey, strapped a canteen of water on Hagar's shoulders, and he sent her away with her son. She walked out into the wilderness of Beersheba, wandering aimlessly. When the water was gone, she felt she left the youth in the shade of the bush and went off and sat down about 100 yards away. And she said, I don't want to watch him die. She burst into tears and began to sob wildly. Then God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God said to Hagar from the sky, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the lad's cries as he is lying there. So go and get him and comfort him, for I will make him also a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well and she refilled the canteen and gave to basically the lad to drink. And God blessed the boy. And he grew in the wilderness of Paran and became expert archer. And the mother arranged a marriage for him with a girl from Egypt. And so briefly, what I said last week was simply put this way. Even though Sarah appointed Hagar to leave, it would be God that would allow it and ordain it. It, uh, if you look at it from, from natural eyes, you look at it and go, this is very cruel. This is not right. How can you just kick her out in the wilderness and all that? Well, I'll explain this. It has, 
there's a lot here, so let's go through this. The Bible says, and this is my first point of this one, that's prepared for the wilderness. The Bible says, Abram rose in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her and her shoulder and the child, and sent them away, and they departed, and they wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, contrary to people think, it sounds like he gave him just a little bit of supplies, and that's basically it. But truthfully, one scholar said, no, he had probably given her enough that he, in his mind, this would be enough to sustain you to, to get you where you need to go next, to the next town or the next place. Supposedly, that's how it would, it would work. And that's more than likely what Abraham does. So the Bible says, <clears throat> Abraham gives her some bread and gives her some water, and he provides bread. Now, I want you to think about this. Here's Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is being tempted by the devil. And most of us know this, so that's why I'm going to use it. And the devil comes to Jesus and says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. But Jesus says, No, the Scripture says, People do not live by bread alone. But people live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Literal translation is like this. People live by every word that comes from God's mouth and keeps coming from God's mouth. Now, stay with me and walk through this. Jesus in the wilderness, the devil says, command these stones to become bread. He's fasted for 40 days. He's hungry. Jesus says, man doesn't live by just bread alone. Man lives from God speaking to him. That's how we live. We live our lives. How do we, how do we live and order our lives? We live and order our lives by God talking to us. And, and for a Christian, we have the Bible, and also we have the Spirit of God who speaks to us. We have church. We have through preaching. There's many ways, but God leads us through his voice. That's what he does. He leads us. So <clears throat> Jesus meets a woman at the well. We know the story. And Jesus says to this woman, if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who was actually talking to you, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now, let me tie these together for a moment. Because you and I, like Hagar, and there's some here this morning. Let me tell you what I feel this morning. There's some of you this morning, and I'm not talking to everyone, but it might be everyone. I don't know, but there are a few here this morning. God is demanding that you grow up. There's things going on in your life that's very uncomfortable, almost like Hagar and Ishmael. But to me, Hagar and Ishmael can be looked at like this. You and I are also cast out into the wilderness of this world. You and I are cast out, and, but we've been given provisions a lot greater than Abraham, the father of our, our provisions have come from God himself. And even though we've been cast out into this world that's wild and crazy, God has given you and I his bread. God has given you and I his spirit. God has given you and I everything we need to live in this world. Now remember, Hagar had been with Abram, Abraham for all these years, 14, 15, 16 years. Hagar, no doubt, had lived in the family of faith. She heard what Abraham would say. She would heard what Sarah would say. She would be living in that environment of faith. You, she would see how they transact their life. They would, she would watch all of this. You, know, you can come to church for just like Hagar and be here 15, 16 years, and you can watch all that goes on. And, and maybe by the grace of God, you have a relationship with God. That's what we want. But sometimes people can be in church but never be in Christ. 
They can live in the environment of faith that they never hear from God themselves. They know all that they, they, they kind of know it all, but they know nothing. So here she is. And what God it was going to do with Hagar and what God's doing in some of our lives this morning, God's going to force her to put into practice her faith. Hagar, all that you've learned, all that you've heard, all that you've seen about me and my ways, you're going to have to put into practice now. And so for us, we would say, what do you mean, Pastor? Some of us, God's saying, you've heard enough. You know enough. You know my voice. Now it's time just to grow up. I thought about the disciples. You know, the Bible says Jesus has his disciples. He has 12 of them. He takes three of them on the mountaintop, on the Mount Transfiguration. So it means he leaves nine behind. But the Bible says in the book of Mark, chapter 6, and he called the 12 disciples together, and he sent them out two by two with power to cast out demons. And you read in Mark, chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, you read a story about a young boy who's brought to Jesus... And the disciples try to pray for him, but it doesn't work. The father comes to the disciples, hey, my son's, my, my, my teenage son, he's crazy. He needs help. He's hooked on video games. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, he's hooked on video games, him and his dad. And uh, they need help. They need to be wise stewards of their time. But anyway, I'm, it's another sermon. But that's for free, a little shot. Um, trust me, if you're getting ready to die, you wouldn't spend time on video games. If you, had, if you had five days left to live in your life, you wouldn't spend one minute watching video games. You'd be real productive for five days anyway. Okay, anyway, get back to my sermon. I know I'm digressing, but hang on. So the father says, here's my son. He's demons, I need you guys to help me. And the Bible says the disciples pray. We don't know what happened. All we know is what didn't happen. I mean, it's funny. Years ago, there was a lady was coming here, and we pray for people at the end of service sometimes, Different times, I'd pray for people, and I always pray, you know, not that you have to do this, but, you know, I can be kind of loud, have you noticed? But I'd pray, you know, sometimes you pray, you know, you pray for a demon or pray for a person who needs healing. You pray, and, and, you, and sometimes someone needs deliverance, so I'd pray, God, loose her or deliver her. And so there's girls in our church. This is, this is, a, this is a true story. This isn't made up. A girl's in our church, and so I'm praying for people, and loose her, loose her. So she invites some friends to our church. And she says, I want you to come, to, here, uh, come to our church. I think you like the pastor and you're just preaching, blah, blah, blah. And she said, but the only thing I don't understand, she said, every time he prays for people, he calls them Lucy. <laughs> and one time she came up to me and she said, pastor, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, when you pray for people, why do you call them Lucy? <laughs> I said, no, I'm saying loose her. Oh, that's why you say that. I thought you were calling everybody Lucy. <laughs> Things you're going to hear about the potter's house. Oh, Lord. But anyway, here's the point. The disciples are trying to pray. Nothing's happening. I can only imagine. I'm going to go into a little skit of it. But I can only imagine disciples doing it. You know, if, you, if you're really going to get them delivered, you got to be loud. They're loud. And they, hands. And I can imagine the disciples doing all of it, but nothing's happening. Nine disciples, and not one of these disciples got enough God in them to, to bring deliverance to this young man. 
So the Bible says when they get back and they're by themselves with Jesus. That says you a little bit. Why? Because why not ask Jesus in front of everyone, how come we can't do this? Because of their pride. You know, you know, you have a question, but you don't say it in front of everybody. You don't look bad, right? So you, by themselves, oh, by the way, I got a question. So they get him by himself and say, Jesus, by the way, why couldn't we do this? And the Bible says this. And they asked him privately, why could we not cast out this demon? And he said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Now the version says, this kind can only come forth except through prayer and fasting. Interesting because he says this kind. You mean there's different kinds of demons? Absolutely. There's different kinds of strongholds in people's lives. You know, we, we know so little, and I'm not saying I know much. We know so little of the spiritual, we, just, we know so little of the spiritual world. But we know sometimes people are really bound, and people read the news, people are, are sometimes out of their minds, right? Some things people do to another human being, you'd have to say, you'd have to honestly look at that and go, that has to be demonically inspired. Jesus said, this kind, this kind that's in this young man is not going to be taken, not going to be delivered. He's not going to be helped unless you have some dominion in your life through prayer and fasting. So what happens here, just very quickly, is that I think, like a lot of people, I think the disciples failed because they were careless in their personal walk with God. God had given them authority over the demons. I already read that. But faith must be cultivated through spiritual discipline and devotion. And dominion must be contended for. Dominion is not automatic. Faith is not a formula. It's a life lived. So your little, your, your, your little religious formula is not going to work right here, right now. No, you... you, you, you you have to know Christ, and God needs to be living inside of you, and God's giving you power and dominion. But that doesn't just come. It comes to someone who contends for it. It's, dominion is not automatic. If it were automatic, someone gives their life to Christ, all of a sudden they got all this dominion. If that were the case, then why are all these Christians bound just like everybody else? Because they don't have dominion. So here they are. They got powerless ministry, and not one single one of them can help this person. But one thing I would bring out, two things, I guess, is that when you and I lack power, it affects other people. It affects the testimony of believers. Let me say this. When Christians live just like other people, people don't believe the gospel. But let me say this in behalf of the gospel. If you know a Christian who's addicted to drugs, I'm not here to cast shadows or dirt on someone. All I'm going to say is this. God is able to deliver him. If you know someone who claims the name and they're, and they're, a, they're an alcoholic, God is able to deliver that alcoholic. I don't care. If someone's uh, hooked on pain, medication, whatever it might be, and you may look at the church and go, well, they're a Christian and they have this. Yeah, that may be true, but, don't but people do. Don't judge the church. Don't judge Christ by what you see just right there. 
Because the truth is, there are people here this morning that used to be drug addicts. There are people here this morning that used to take drugs, that used to drink, and are totally delivered this morning. Because why? Because that's what God can do. That's the God we serve. The God we serve still delivers people. But the testimony to the world, it, it, it discredits God. It discredits the church. They look around and they think, well, that's how all Christians are. That's not how all Christians are. When I used to go to this hotel, we don't use them anymore. An Indian owned it. And I used to have my old, my old red uh, Toyota. And now looking back, that thing was a bucket. Man, not, not close to looking good. I think a blind person would it offend. It was bad. And now looking back, it was pretty bad. But I was cool with it. It got me from A to B. And I remember driving to the hotel and dropping the evangelist off. It was Alvin or somebody I dropped off. And the owner of the hotel, we were talking back and forth. And he said, let me ask you a question. He said, I know, I'm not stupid. He said, you have a church. He said, I'm not stupid. I'm a businessman. I said, what do you mean? He said, that's not your real car. <laughs> he, said, I, I bet, he said, I bet you anything. If I followed you home, you'd have a real nice car. He said, because I know how Christian pastors are. But that's how the world judges us, right? And I said, follow me home. I said, follow me home, and maybe you want to buy me a better one. So here's my quote. Remember this critical fact. The world uses the lives of believers to judge not only the testimonies, but Christ himself. The world uses the lives of, unbelie- of believers to judge not only their testimonies, but also Christ himself. So here, he, here Hagar is in Abraham, the father of faith, gives her bread and gives her water. Me as a pastor, I try to give people bread, the word of God. I try to give them a living experience of God, try to provide what I can, try to feed people, try to give them food. Sometimes we have to force feed people. It's not good to force feed a 50-year-old man. It's bad if you go in that baby, go in the nursery and see a 50-year-old man in a playpen. Some of you go, something's wrong. Well, that's, that's just wrong with some of the Christians. They're, they're old, but... The little children, spiritually. Their child. I'm not being fed. Open your Bible, read it. Yeah. Eat it yourself. There comes a point in time, a child has to feed himself, right? Yeah. If a child's 30 years old, Mama, feed me. There's something wrong with that picture. <laughs> but Christians, Christians just like that. I want to be fed. The church's not feeding me. Why don't you feed yourself? Come on, you've been saved 20 years now. Well, how, how, come, how come I did something to call me? Call, you've been saved for 20 years. You ought to be calling other people. Yeah. No one's following up on me. You go follow up on somebody. On. What is wrong with you? Grow up. Get back to my nice sermon. <laughs> you guys bring it out of me. You know, so, so you try to give people bread and you try to give them the Holy Ghost. You try to give them living experiences of God through all these different pastors and preachers that come in and preach to us. But the point being, there comes moments and times that you and I can find ourselves and you will have to discover the voice of God for yourself. You have to take some of that bread you've been given and eat it and realize, you know what? I've got some direction from God. I know better. 
I've learned some things about God, the voice of God. I know God's spirit. I know when he convicts me. I know when he speaks to me. And the point being is you have to, it comes that place. You say, you know what? Because of where I'm at, I am forced to grow up. Hagar, there is no Abraham. No more daddy. No more mama. There's no one there. Hagar, it's just you. Hagar, you and your son. It is what it is. And so that Christian, that single parent, that father or that mother says, you know what? I've been given bread. I've been touched by God. Jesus says the way we make it in the wilderness is you take that living bread. You take that voice from God. You take the word of God. And you allow God to speak to you. That'll get you through the wilderness. But you have to do it yourself. As a parent, every parent knows this. You only do so much for your child. But there comes a day, some things the child has to do himself. For her, it would be, which is so hard, because we all know this by experience. We could be here this morning, and Monday our whole world can change. And for her, it would be one day I'm in the house, have everything I'd ever want, and then the next day I'll be in a wilderness wandering aimlessly to have no idea where I'm even going, and I got someone I'm supposed to be looking after. You know, we can go from a high to a low real quick. I preach to people on Sunday morning, you have to service. God's alive. Come on, devil. Come Thursday. What's wrong, brother? I got beat up all week. I don't know. I don't know. Where is God? Who is God? Does God start with a G or what? What happened to you? I'll tell you what happened to you. Life. Life. Bam. Monday morning, slap you in the face. And there you are. Nothing in any one of our lives stays the same. Every single day we are changing. I know you know this physically, but that's why I just use the analogy of physically. You know, physically, as you sit here, your body is completely changing and keeps changing. And there's nothing you can do about it. Life is change. You change and you keep changing and you will never be the same. Just go look in the mirror. In fact, you're going to be encouraged, don't look in the mirror. <laughs> Some of you get in the morning, look in the mirror, go, what in the world happened? I must have hit by a truck last night or something during my sleep. You know, I'm getting off track. Anyway, okay. I, you know, I've gone to Starbucks only a few times, and women will walk in there wearing their pajamas. I know I'm getting off. I'll get back. But let me, if you're one of those women that wear pajamas to Starbucks in the morning, Please, man, get your ghetto life together and get some, get, get your, that's ghetto. Uh, no one's going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you right now. That's ghetto. That, that's totally ghetto. I, I told the girls at the counter, can't you just tell them that's ghetto? She goes, I'll get fired, sir. I said, look at this. this is, some not even dressed properly. I mean, you see, sometimes see, see right through their stuff. I mean, don't you got any, don't you got any dignity? Anyway, I don't know how it fits in here. I don't, but let's get back in this. Well, I, I know what it was. We were all changing. I knew it fits. Scripture fits in there some way. We're all changing. 
Our bodies change, our lives change, everyone of us are changing, the process of changing. Boom, 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 boom. Nothing stays the same in no, in no one's life. Even if you're in the church for 20 years, things change in our life. There's ups, there's downs. We change as a person, we change what we believe. What we believe at 20, we won't even believe when we're 40. Things you held too strong at, at 25, just at 40, you'd be like, well, I don't know about that no more. Right? How many, how many know what I mean? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this when you pray. You see, we ask, <clears throat> Matthew 6.10, we ask that your kingdom will come. May your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. God's will, <clears throat> his will, what's the Father's will? Can it be known? Can it be done? Will it be done by you and I as people that are fallen? But the truth about it is you think about God's will, and I bring this because it all matters, because it really does matter what we do with our life. And Jesus says, tells us, he said, this is how I want you to order your life so you can survive. He doesn't say this to put us in a box. He says this to liberate us. People look at it and go, oh, put God's will first. Oh, what a bummer. No, you're looking at it totally wrong. Jesus says, you let, when you pray, you pray, let thy will be done. That thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, I want you to pray that prayer. That's the prayer I want you to why. Because if his will's done in your life and in your heart and in your home and in your kids' lives, your life would be pretty good. I, I didn't say your life would be perfect. I, I didn't say your life would be without pain. I didn't say your life would be without tears. But your life would be a lot better than someone that don't know God. Well, I'll tell you what's crazy is sometimes people pray things. Most of you probably could quote that verse, Our Father Prayer, because some of us came from a Catholic background. You know about, you could say it, and it don't mean a thing. A lot of people say that. I tell you what's sad. People say it, and it doesn't even mean anything at all. They repeat it in church all the time. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, they're like, they don't mean, don't mean hey, we've been to churches. They say things, and it's empty word. It don't mean anything. But even as a believer, you can be someone who says it. Like Jesus says, don't use vain repetition as the heathen do. We can say things and say prayers, but the reality is really giving thought to God's will, coming down, moving in my life. Uh, I don't know about that. Sad, some people will say the prayer and don't mean nothing. What's sad worse would be to know the prayer, to know God's will, and not even care about doing it. Hmm. here's a quote yet the tremendous truth is that the will of God and doing of that will is the most important activity in the world in the world God has intentions God has wishes God has desires for all of our lives and the real question I'm going to ask you this morning I got a few more moments you give me a few more moments is when's the last time you honestly prayed? See, we say that. When's the last time you honestly prayed, God, let your will be done in my life? With your heart. I mean, you honestly, you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it from your heart softly, but it's something from your heart. You say, God, I really want your will done. You're a Christian. When's the last time you've prayed that? It's kind of crazy that, we don't think about that much. 
Jesus said the first, first thing you ought to be thinking about. You want to order your life right? Put me in there. Let me work in your life. Let me work in your decisions. Some people, and I think often, myself included, do you know what the next verse is? Let that will be done, let that kingdom come. What is it, Pastor? I'll tell you what it is. Give us this day our daily bread. You know how we live this, you know how we live that verse? We we we, we totally reverse, we reverse the order. Most of us get consumed with God, give me everything I need. Give me my daily bread, take care of me. Take, it's all. We reverse it. Jesus says, no, that should be your second thing. That should be your second power. Why? Because if you put me first, those things will be taken care of. No father in his right mind would withhold food from his child. Every father knows what it's like to, to have a child that's, that's obedient. You bless them. You want to bless them. Let your father's will be done. Blessings are coming. And he says, no, you pray, let thy will be done. Let thy kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. We reverse the order. God, give me my, take care of my needs. Give me a better job. Help me out. Well, Jesus, stop, stop. You got the order all wrong. Because we got the order all wrong, we live our lives all wrong. We're running, chasing our own life, chasing our dreams, chasing what we want. We're giving very little thought to what God wants and what God can speak to us about. I'll ask you this. Can God come down and speak to you enough that would literally change the course of your life? If he can't change the course of your life, I doubt he's God then. Let me move on here quickly. Here's Hagar. Here's you and I, challenged. And you and I, our lives will be challenged, our lives will be tried, our lives will be tested, and in the wilderness. And you and I are be forced to face, a lot of times, some very hard and difficult things. You know, and they say, I told you I I was going to call it, you're ready, but they say, when people train, I read this article about Navy SEALs. How many ever heard of the Navy SEALs? They're the baddest planet. They're the baddest men in the world. The Navy SEALs, one of the things they say about people generally, they say the average human being will push themselves to max 40%. That means there's 60% left of untapped potential in most people. Navy SEALs do the most insane things. You, you would not even think it's humanly possible to do some things they do. You say, how could they do that? They say most people don't even come close, not even close, 40%. And the 40% of people that, that, that maximize their potential, the 40%, they say those, even those people are rare. That's people that are pushing it. So that means most people not even close to that. All this potential. He said most people have no idea they have it. You and I as Christians, I'm going to tell all of us this, that you too have a lot of potential. But sometimes we don't realize what's in us until we're forced to face the wilderness. In our story, her life is going to go from 
Blessed is a little conflict at home, yeah, but blessed overall, pretty good. And as the story unfolds, it's going to go worse and worse. Wait, wait, Pastor, don't, don't, don't be saying that. That's, we can't claim worse and worse. Kind of, that's exactly what happens. She's going to be cast out to the wilderness. She's going to be given to water. The water is going to dry up. That's another sermon. Everything she has is going to be gone. It's going to go from worse to worse. Is that possible? Absolutely. As a believer, absolutely. You're ca- you feel like, you know, I've been, I feel like I've been cast out. I feel like God don't know. I have no idea what's going on in my life. I've been just thrown out there. And now it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. Yeah, 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 there it is. Now what are you going to do? What's in you? What's in your life? For her, for you and me, before I close, God had a great future. Listen to this verse. Because every one of us, God wants us to be more. As a Christian, be something, not do something. Well, Christians want to do something, but God wants you to be something because character matters. Be and do a lot more. I would say for myself included, spiritually speaking, there's a lot of untapped potential in our lives. But the way we are naturally, if you don't push us, we don't do it. Hagar, a lot of good's going to come out of this. You may not look at it naturally look at it say that's terrible it's not done yet how many know god's not done with you either yet listen to this this is amazing to me psalms 41 verse 3 i'm going to end here the lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness and will sustain him on his sickness sick bed it says the Lord sustains. It doesn't say the Lord will immediately heal them. Sometimes he does. Oftentimes he doesn't. But listen to this. Another version says the Lord nurses them that are sick, restores them back to health. Every, if you're married, you've got a husband, he's been sick. Let me make the application or the illustration. Men get sick and all of a sudden they go from this big strong man to a little weenie. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, I'm dying, honey. My wife goes, honey, you just have a cold. No, I think it's worse. It's the worst infection in human history. I think it's a new virus coming from China. China. It's a food, weird type of flu. It's SoCal flu. It's new. It's a different one. Call a doctor. Babe, you don't have a fever. Well, I will. But you're not throwing up. But I will. And so the guy lays there, he acts half dead, and the wife's there to hand and foot goes, and what do you need? He's there. First time, you know, guys love it because they, for a moment, they're the king. They're laying in bed, honey, honey, Lupe, wherever, you know, whatever. And the girl, what do you need, honey? What do you need, honey? And the wives take care of them. You know, guys, let's be honest. Wives take care of us a lot better than we take care of them. And I'm not going to ask for wives to raise, raise your hand, but if I, asked you, if I said, wives, how many of you, when it comes to the sickness, your husband's like soft? Raise your hand. <laughs> don't raise your hand. I don't, I don't want family fights right here. You call me soft in church. Okay. What's so beautiful about this? I read this one morning. I was here at prayer reading. And I read this, and I kept reading it, and I started studying it, started looking at the Greek words, the Hebrew words. Then I discovered this, and it just 
refresh me. Listen to this. These words that are used here, he says, I'll sustain you. It means exactly that. It means to sustain. It means to comfort. It means to establish. It means to uphold someone. But in Briggs, it's a, it's a lexicon of the language. This is what it means. It has the idea of someone taking food to you. Just like a wife taking food to her husband who's sick. It has the idea of someone giving someone, someone who's totally wasted away, they're lying there, and they're needing some food, and, they, and, they, and someone comes to them and says, here, here's some food, you gotta eat some food, you, 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 you're, you gotta you drink the soup, you're, you're sick, you're really sick, you gotta drink, eat soup, honey, you gotta take it. And that's the same word used to describe, means to take meat. So what does it mean to you and I? I'll tell you what it means. No matter, you find yourself, I don't know where you're at, you find yourself in that wilderness, it's you, you feel like it's you, your son, single parent trying to fight the world. Maybe you're in the wilderness spiritually, you're addicted to stuff, you say, I don't know how I can survive, what am I going to do? Or you're the Christian, everything's going on in life, and you have no idea why it's so bad. And you think, does God even know what's going on? Is he even going to take care of me? Here's what God promises. This word means to take meat. Here's what God's saying. When you find yourself in that place, and some of us are there this morning, God says, I'll take food to you. I'll take food to your soul. And I guarantee you, when you, if you get still enough in your brokenness, you'll hear the voice of God. How many times at our week, if we're honest, at our, not our strength, not our strongest moment, me and you, for myself, at my weakest moments, it seems like I hear him the best. I wish it wasn't so. But at that moment, you're laying, you can't do anything, you're in pain, whatever it might be, and God comes. It means to bring food, meat, in season to lift someone up. God brings meat. What kind of meat does he bring? He brings to us his voice. He brings a word. He brings inspiration to us. He starts speaking to our heart. as We're lying there, and God's talking to our heart. How many can relate? Why don't you bow your heads this morning? You're here this morning. <clears throat> Comes a moment in time, <clears throat> you have to face the wilderness, each one of us individually. God's will should be prayed for and lived out all that Hagar learned Saul in Abraham's house should have to live out and there's people here this morning you can, you can, some of you can place yourself right in the story of Hagar you feel like you've been cast to the wilderness Some of you feel like you've been forced to face some things. Some of you are here this morning and, and God has already been dealing with you. You may not even be right with God, but that doesn't mean God doesn't speak to you. God speaks to you because you know his voice. You've heard his voice in the past. And he's challenged you, it's time to grow up. 
morning as a Christian. And you say, you know what, God, you're talking to me. You're bringing me meat right now to my soul. Some of you haven't even thought about God's will being done first in your life. You thought about chasing your dreams first. In fact, you haven't even prayed in a long time, God, I want your will done in my life. And you're here this morning as a believer and say, you know what, God, you're talking to me. Just lift up your hand and put it right back down. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I see all these hands. Yes, yes. God, you're talking to me. Okay, with their heads bowed before I end this service. There's people here this morning that do not know Jesus Christ. You hear the sound of the kingdom. You hear me speak. And you say, I I don't completely get it. You haven't experienced Jesus yet. And Jesus is real. He died on the cross. He rose again from the grave. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. And anything in your life that you're addicted to, God can help you become delivered from. No matter what it is in your life that the that's holding you back you feel like I'm a slave to this pastor you don't understand no matter what it is you're here and you say I want to give my life to Christ I want Christ Jesus Christ to come into my heart this morning pray with me if that's you raise your hand just lift up your hand and put it right back down I see that hand sister anybody else just lift it up put it right back down I, I want deliverance I need help yes I see that hand anybody else I want Jesus to forgive me. I want Jesus to set me free. Don't be ashamed to ask for help from God. Hey, it's Elliot back again, the producer of the Intelligent Living Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. If you found this episode to be useful, would you leave a comment and let us know how it empowered you to live your life more abundantly? Also, don't forget to rate the podcast and share it with the people that you know, love, and trust the most. We can't wait to hear from you, and we will see you next time.